Welcome into a post-spring football edition of the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunson, Christofferson. Spring football is over. We have all of the answers. What will Nebraska do next year? Brunson, give me a record prediction right now based on that spring game. 7-5. and five. All right, Brian. 7-5 and five plus a bowl win to go 8-5. and five. Wow. Who are they beating? Call your shot now. Oh, jeez. Uh... What bowl? Give me, give me kind of like a seven and five bowl, quick. This smells give me like, like two. Th- this just Foster Farms. This reeks of pinstripe bowl to me. Ooh, Scott Frost going five. into New York City. It's like when when Nebraska went to the Gotham Bowl back in the sixties. Things are oh, turning around. Oh, there would be around. a parallel. Yeah. So who are they? That'd be the ACC. Yeah, let's. Whoa. <laughs> I always think. Wait Bo- for it. I always think Boston College just permanently plays in that game. Yeah. maybe it's somebody they, else. They don't though. They played <laughs> in the Quick Lane Bowl, I you, think, last year. Scott Frost is going to get a bowl game against Georgia Tech in New York, and for the entire two weeks leading up to that bowl game, Scott Frost is going to play the role of scout team quarterback, and people are going to lose their crap. I love it. That's Call real. That's pretty realistic. I actually, uh, I like the the Gotham Bowl. Well, not Gotham Bowl, Pinstripe Bowl, New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Make sure we get that sponsor in there. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think it'd be fun if they played your favorite coach in the country. Steve Adazio and Boston College? No, that's guys mine. Be, guys that's my dudes. favorite coach. Oh. You can't have him. Your favorite coach. The one I always get texts about. Oh, Larry Fedora? Yeah. The hat? The yeah. hat man? The Hat Man. Hat Man and the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? John Papuchas. John Papuchas. And is Eckler there now? Is he there? Yeah, I think he still is. <laughs> he just kind of just bounces around. Just Terry Joseph. Terry Joseph got Central. out of there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. weird. Terry yeah. Joseph left a job? <laughs> that's, that's always a bad unusual. sign for whoever's left behind. You know, if Nebraska played in the Pinstripe Bowl, which we're saying is akin to the Gotham Bowl, that would be eerie because... They also open at Michigan in Big Ten play, which is where Bob Devaney got his uh, like giant win off year one to get everybody all fired up about what he's doing. Look at that. If you're not fired up right now, Brian, comparing Scott Frost to Bob Devaney. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. The yeah. Gotham Bowl and a Michigan win. That's what I understand here. Well, I mean, I'm just saying this. if they win 25-13 to 13 and the big running back, like, <laughs> like Bill Thornton, I think it was, rumbles for a lot of yards. I'm impressed that you're Didn't just they kind of get pulling the this that knowledge. year, too, because they beat Michigan? Was that the same year? Yeah, and then, well, Michigan ended up being terrible that year. Like, if at the time it was a big win. Air just came out of the whole thing. Well, it's still, it was perception, though. It was like one of those. So that Oregon big win, win of 2016? Yes. Not, it was even bigger than that. It was the perception that they went in the big house, and there was this idea that the Big Ten was so up there in the clouds, you know, and little Nebraska couldn't hang with them. And then they, I think they won 25 to 13. Then Michigan went like two and eight. So that's some like Details. old Husker history. And as long as we're throwing out predictions. Well, you never gave us your bull prediction. You, 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 oh, fought, uh, you, you yelled Foster Farms. Is that what you actually believe? Yeah, put me down for six and six in the Foster Farms Bowl, basically. Who are they, who are they beating? Like this, who's going to finish sixth in the Pac-12 next year? Uh, they're getting Arizona with Kevin Sumlin. It'll be a new coach battle. He's going to be like, actually, that would be kind of a Nebraska's defense against Khalil Tate would be kind of interesting. That that screams to me, San Diego. Like that's a, that's Nebraska and Arizona getting back together. San Diego in the Holiday Bowl. They've done it twice. Yeah, they need the rubber match. Yeah, we need to see it. If that, if not that, Georgia. The, the rubber match with Georgia and Tampa, I'd be okay with. 
I'd take a trip back to the Foster Farms Bowl, though. That's pretty good. I had a fun... Bronze is an amazing tour guide yeah. at the Bay Area. He I've, just, like, I've experienced. He all around. He's like, oh, yeah, that's where... Uh, that's where Joe DiMaggio got married to Marilyn Monroe. Like, yep, that's true. Yeah, yeah like, no, I, I didn't I, even make that up. I've heard we, the same story. I've been in the same spot <laughs> we with Brunts. Pizza place and or something where we had a pizza place and it was. I a, think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's that kind of cool church across the road. I think we also found the only brew pub Why that was open. Why former baseball players always end up in San Francisco? Well, DiMaggio's from there. I guess I forgot about that. He's from Martinez, California, which I believe well, is Well, Ty also... Cobb ended up there, too. I reread that Ty oh, Cobb yeah, yeah. story the other day. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, I, I think I think DiMaggio and Mario Verduzco are actually from the same area of the East Bay. Like, next town over kind of a thing. That's something. Yeah. You think if I could score extra points by asking him his opinion on Joe DiMaggio? Maybe. They, they, their dads probably fished on the same boat. They're all Italian fishermen over there. It was friggin' great growing up and hearing these friggin' stories about friggin' Joe DiMaggio from his friggin' dad. Uh, those who don't know, Mario Verduzco really likes the word friggin'. Yeah. I've started it. And that's not like a change of what the word is. No, he just really likes the word friggin'. I've, in, I've incorporated it. I wondered. Mm-hmm. I wondered. So... Now that we've decided what Nebraska's record is going to be and who they're going to play in the the bowl game. We don't even need to play the season out. Just get us to December. Well, the next biggest question, and I thought maybe the single most interesting thing to happen on Saturday, is what is the music going to be when they come out from the tunnel walk? But we'll, we'll save that for later in the podcast, I suppose. We should actually talk about things that happen. Nebraska did play a spring game. I was horribly wrong about the score being close and the score being low. Brunts was absolutely correct in that it was going to be a high-scoring game. He didn't set his spread high enough. No, didn't Uh, get it high enough. Nobody did, really. And it was – I actually – and I'm probably going to hate myself for saying this. I was entertained. I was entertained. Whoa. Whoa. I know. Do you hate yourself? Christopher's (laughs) looking at me like I just threw up on myself. (laughs) It was yeah, it was it was better than most spring games. I'll tell you. Yeah, that. I mean that's that were comp- I'm not comparing or, yeah. it to an actual game or yeah. a free Saturday that I could have picked for myself, but compared to like some of the years where it's been a three and a half hour fest that included drills in the middle of the game and all mm-hmm. these other things, I thought it was a pretty good spring game. Yeah, well the pace we talked about it last week. It was it was what we thought it was as Denny Green would say i mean it it got people crown them yeah <laughs> although it wasn't fast enough Ross said afterwards he's like we got to go way faster but it kept people's attention and uh then i mean the quarterback play was uh shiny shiny nice object for everybody to look at and kind of bat around after the game and so everybody i think left their film pretty good and then it was interesting last night frost was on the radio doing his monthly show and he's kind of batting away all that praise kind of telling those guys you know i didn't think the energy was that great actually in pre-game warm-ups and stuff like that so he's gonna he's gonna find ways to try to drive them and he's probably realizing there's a lot of people that are right now like pumping everything up and they've got to come in and kind of tamper that down a little bit and say you're not that good yet Peter martinez <laughs> should have had five touchdowns yes he's the big old bucket of cold water right across the face of every husker fan Quarterback-wise, we had a VIP chat on the site yesterday. Everybody demanding to know which gang we were in, whether we were a Martinez or a Jebbia, um, or I guess a bunch, too. That's, that's an option. I already lost. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. So. Um, but based on what you saw on Saturday, with the caveat that it was one practice in 15, what did you think of the quarterback play? And give me your hottest take about who's ahead right now. I thought the quarterback play was uh, pretty good. I mean, I I think we saw sort of various things we expected to see. I expected Adrian Martinez would be good running the ball. I didn't expect that he would look that good at times of it. He threw better than what I had heard he had been doing during practices. Andrew Bunch looked like a competent quarterback, which again reaffirms the idea that they've probably got three guys they feel pretty good about going into the season if that guy's your third quarterback. And then Tristan had, you know, a, a pretty good day. It, it gets lost in sort of the glitz of what Adrian Martinez did, and I thought that he acquitted himself well. I mean, overall, they all had their moments. I and mean, Noah Vedral struggled a little bit, and I think that was kind of surprising to me. I thought he would do a little bit better. And, uh, you know, when you bet the spread on the white team, you're expecting that, the, the guy who has the most experience in the offense wouldn't be throwing interceptions to Alex Davis, but that's not what happened. <laughs> a little angry about it. Oh. You're going to have to talk with Noah Vedral about it. Be like, look, <laughs> I set the spread way lower. Yeah. Jack Hoffman's one thing, Noah. You can't but be throwing this, picks like that. <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> You're going to yeah get him into knowing that you bet on Jack Hoffman. Um, I thought Adrian Martinez, yeah, his, his feet when he had the ball stand out, but I – it's what happens even when he doesn't have the ball, I think, where you say, okay, I can see why he would be the guy. Because I think the respect that they have to give his mobility is going to open up more lanes for the Greg Bells of the world. And I think you even saw it on a couple of plays where it was just like the Red Sea parted for Greg Bell, and he took that burst and got about 17 yards. Um, I think that's something you really have to factor into the equation if the throwing is even close. You know, now that's the thing. We didn't see everything else, so maybe, maybe Jebbia was Mr. Precise and for 13 practices, and Adrian Martinez is completing, you know, 48% of his throws. I don't know. So that that's why I I take Frost at his word still when this thing's ongoing and these guys are it, kind it of should be. they're in chapter one or two of figuring out the the offense. So let's let's read a few more chapters, basically. That that the first pass that really stood out to me was that I mean Jebbia's first pass of the day like that throw he had to McQuitty mm-hmm. didn't count but it was a great throw it was a great throw and you kind of wonder you know all things being equal which I mean the, Martinez is going to have the advantage in the running game there's no denying that but I mean turnovers are going to be a factor there you know who, who's taking care of the ball who's getting guys in the right place you saw some some procedure penalties, which I think you, you kind of expect, I guess, with guys doing that for the first time in front of a big crowd. But you know, there's going to be more. I, I think that that's going to play into that than than just the you know the running aspect of it. But you know, Martinez and like you said, what he can do, it really does add another dimension to that offense that I think you kind of have to have to make it work. One of the things that is really intriguing right now about Nebraska's offense, and I shouldn't make it too much of it but I probably will because you got one opportunity to really see it it feels like they have a lot more playmakers at their disposal and their two best ones didn't even practice on Saturday and so you look at what Greg Bell was capable of doing in a small sample size Mike Williams who Troy Walters raves about is going to be a handful for some defensive backs because he's so fast and they're putting him on the outside and I've 
kind of said this. I, I really think that he's sort of a Mike Wallace type for Nebraska that if he beats you and you hit him in stride, it's a touchdown. If he beats a guy and the defender has to grab him, that's 15 yards or five yards if they only call the holding. I just think he's going to put so much stress and pull people. It's going to open up underneath for Spielman and that middle of the field for Stanley Morgan. It really feels – I underestimated how fast Mike Williams was, but that was one of the takeaways I had. Maybe maybe it's Nebraska's defensive backs. I mean, I, I need to really rein in my thoughts on some of this, but I was just impressed. I mean, you had Tyjon Lindsey looking good. You had those tight ends. I mean, all those guys were making plays. Raftall had a heck of a catch on a well-thrown ball by Bunch, too. Um, I, I just think that they've got some guys that we haven't seen yet because they're either newcomers or they redshirted last year or they're Tyjon Lindsay and we didn't see that version at all in 2017 that are going to make this offense really fun. That Even if you're a little bit hesitant to use Adrian Martinez right away, you may not have the running advantage. You still have maybe somebody in Tristan that could take advantage of the, the weapons around him still at a pretty high rate. Maybe we've talked about this on here before. I can't remember, but I I think of the Oregon teams when they had it kind of rolling when Frost was an assistant there, and they had all these guys. They had so many guys when I'd watch them play. Like you'd get home and watch them at nine o'clock at night, and they'd have all these skill guys, and you're like, "Who's that guy?" Like I wouldn't <laughs> know the names of their yeah. guys. You know, it's one of those teams where they would have like eight to 10 guys who are just like some fast guy they got out of Texas and he was like scoring a 55 yard touchdown. Then another fast guy out of Texas scored a 50 yard touchdown in the next series. And you can see that's kind of what they're, they're trying to build that up here. It's Collection not, athletes, it's not so. going to be this deal where it's uh, there's, I mean, there is going to be always that like one guy, I suppose on a team. Okay. He's a star like last year. See what CJ Smith's brother's name. Uh, Traquan. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a stud of that that group at receiver, but you, then you look around at the numbers and it's just spread around between like ten guys pretty evenly. Yeah, you still had Killian, you still yeah. had Otis Anderson, you had Kendarian Richardson, you had some of their other wide receivers, you had tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't even got yet to the guys who I think we all think that there's some guys coming in in about a month or so that they're going to want to use right away. You know, Jerron Woodyard would be a guy who is going to be in that picture. Miles Jones is a guy they just have flat talked about. This is what we see him doing, that duck position. And and so they've got to make room for those guys, too. The uh, the the I haven't really gone back and watched it too closely. I've watched it a couple times. But what do you guys think of the line play? Like, it didn't really seem like there was, you know, a ton of – movement up front but you know did you see enough in in that group in that scrimmage to feel like they've taken some kind of meaningful step forward no i i mean there's a lot of sacks and some of it is hard because it's green jersey sacks but and some of it your quarterback was holding on to the ball too long on some plays but they weren't the plays that nebraska was making and this is a lot of what ucf did and so maybe in some ways it's good that this model is similar. They weren't dominating the line of scrimmage to get guys the ball. I mean, when Greg Bell had his big plays, it opened up, as you said, with his run. He had that screen pass where you're getting him out in space. They weren't, you know, you weren't just getting six, seven-yard chunks 
up the middle because you were blowing guys off the ball or anything. It was Adrian Martinez getting out the corner, getting to the second level and running by people. It was Greg Bell was getting the ball in space. I mean, I just I don't think the line's going to be great in the way that people think of great offensive line play. It just has to be good enough that you can still do those things, and they have to treat the inside run like it matters. I was half expecting. I mean, they executed a couple screen passes in that game. And I was half expecting that to be like confetti cannon shot off and like the the kind of uh, like the electronic. Kind let of me thing. let me bring you guys back to 2015 really quickly. Is the single worst, least executed screen pass play you've ever seen occur during that Illinois game to Seathan Carter for the tight end screen? There's they ran it so twice. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a lot of terrible screens. It's like but, picking your favorite song from a great rock band. Yeah, <laughs> the album is so extensive. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many songs, songs to choose from. For some reason, that's the one that sticks out. Like there was one in the fourth quarter of that game where they had to settle for a field goal. That if they just had completed the ball, like even if the line hadn't gotten out there, they could have picked up the five yards needed. And it was just so horrendously bad that the jokes that were being made after Greg Bell's screenplay in the press box were i think pretty warrant i think the one people think of is the uh northwestern was it oh, over yeah. the overtime over one time they're like <laughs> what do we do what do we do oh, i'll run the screen the way we haven't <laughs> we've had yeah, so much success one out of 100 since we've been here yeah. yeah that one probably is at the top i don't know the o-line i think it's part of the reason why frost keeps saying faster 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 he knows that the more tempo they play with the more it can cover up yeah. average stuff, you know, on the O line. You know, defense can't get set. They can't run all their tricks at you. You see pretty standard stuff. Uh, but the the problem, not a problem, but a challenge that they have is they're not in shape yet. And um, I mean, they've gotten in better shape. You've heard that all spring. Uh, the winter conditioning program changed all these guys' bodies. But that's why they're talking so much about the summer because I think the coaches left spring realizing these guys are in better shape, but to do it like we want to do it, they're not they're not there yet. And that is not just offensive linemen. That's running backs. Like Scott Frost was talking about the backs, and he said each guy they'll be have a play there or two that's good, but then they can't go beyond that. They're not like that guy who can be out there four or five plays because they're not in the type of shape to to do it and then do it again and you know that's going to take a while for yeah. that to really kind of be second nature and part of their conditioning and everything else you have to be when you think about it i mean you have to be in incredible shape to play that game at that level to begin with but then to play at that type of speed and just go all out and then be willing to go do it again 12 seconds later that is I mean, we should not ever undersell how difficult yeah. that is. Absolutely. Brunt's shaking his head. Anybody on defense stick out? Yeah, let's talk some defense. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Jacob Winemaster had a nice day. Again, it's hard wow, to Wow, that was full-throated praise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> Winemaster. Yeah, they played some who, defense. Okay, so who <laughs> on the defense are you going to – Alex Davis had three sacks and a pick. But there's kind of sort of some questions about all of that stuff. Mm, I'll go. I'll give me some Mo Berry. I, I some thought Mo he, Berry. I thought Mo yeah. Berry played pretty well. Um, Eight tackles. Wine Master played pretty well. 
I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, I tried to start yeah. with Wine Master. It just wasn't, you know, the most. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of tiptoed into it. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I didn't think the defense was particularly great. Um, no. I Either side of it, even when the, the white wasn't really moving the ball, um, they had some, some mistakes. I mean, it's hard to really judge yeah, them in this setting, especially against that offense that they're not going to see anything similar to during their regular season. They're still missing some components. You know, Luke Gifford's going to make things look a little. Colin Miller actually had a pretty nice day I too. The, I thought the outside linebacker competition is still going to be interesting because yep. I thought Ferguson played well enough. I thought Miller played well. You've got Gifford. Um, you know, Guy Thomas didn't really do a ton. We talked about Breon Dixon a little bit off air. Where, I mean, maybe I didn't see it, but I didn't see the. Yeah. I can't tell you one thing that he did. I mean, I know he had some tackles. I just I don't remember any specific plays. I think he's got potential for sure. But, I mean, I that spot for me is just so undecided. I mean, I could see where you would even run guys in and out of there pretty easily during the, during right the season. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I, I thought overall the defense tackled pretty well. I, I was impressed with the way they rallied to the ball. You could tell that they were kind of buying into that more than uh, – they were last year with Hanson Bob and the up downs during practice, but um, it, I mean it, it's tough to, tough to say too. I guess when they're playing pretty vanilla yeah. and, and not being you wouldn't expect to at this point. But I, I'm not gonna go all in at all on that defense until you watch them for a while. I, I just I mean they're gonna have to prove a lot of stuff before you can have any faith in them. <laughs> Look at Schaefer nodding his head. Agreed. Yeah. You were pretty strong that they're going to be like 130th in FBS. They have a lot of issues. <laughs> significantly worse, I believe, yeah. is the, what you said. I did not say significantly worse. I said there's a chance they could be worse. I don't know if you can be worse. Yeah, that was kind of the <laughs> argument. You can be worse. That Penn State game when we were sitting up there, I was thinking there's, you can't be worse than this. <laughs> Thinking, I got a three-hour drive back to Pittsburgh is what I was thinking. In the rain. You might yeah. be thinking about your life experience in general when you're sitting there in that press box and Saquon Barkley takes his I was thinking second play to the in house. The first half he was of the long Penn out of State... that game by the time I considered started considering those things. The first half of that Penn State game, I was thinking how like if Penn State played some directional school, like it wouldn't be September as bad 10th, as what it, yeah. it wouldn't be this bad in the first yeah. half. And yeah, that's fair. So yeah. I called Miller to me. I mean, I don't know. He could be that guy. Like he, he's a guy. Every time he gets a chance, I feel like he does something with it. And even last year, I mean, if you look at his stats from the season, they won't blow you over by any means. But it felt like he was like one of the few guys. Like after some of those train wrecks, where you'd be like, well, at least he's there, and that he's gonna be here a while, and that that could be good. Let me. So I forget. So we were asked yesterday on the VIP chat. Which is one of the benefits if you become a member at Nebraska 24-7 or Husker 24-7. You can chat with us and we give you answers. And one of the questions we were recipes, asked. recipes, yeah. Yeah, yes. And <laughs> yes. more Creed takes than you can handle. <laughs> yes. That's, well, let's not put that in the benefit side necessarily. <laughs> uh, we were asked to the name, and I don't know if Brian did the exercise, to the starting 11 on both sides. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of just agreed with one of you. <laughs> <laughs> and one name I forgot, and I keep forgetting that he moved from outside linebacker to defensive end, is Ben Stilley. 
Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's likely he's going to be maybe not necessarily the rep one, play one starter. He's going to have a heavy rotational role. Oh, yeah. I mean, I he's a guy that I actually thought played pretty well on Saturday, too. I know that you know his stats don't jump off the page, but it felt like he was pretty active in setting the edge and, and kind of the tone of what he had to do. That's someone I keep forgetting about that his role has changed a little bit, but I fully expect him to be on the field. On they Saturdays. love Ben Stilley. Yeah. The staff does. Uh, you could run through him quick. So basically, yeah, defensive so, line, you'd have freedom. I had Nick. I had freedom and Carlos on the ends, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if freedom and I think it's freedom and Stilly were the ones on the same side, right? Or yeah, was it? I would get Carl. I would say Carlos, and then it's either freedom or Stilly. Yeah. And then I have Newell in the middle of the line because I still have a lot of reservations about whether Mick Stoltenberg is going to play a lot next fall. Hmm. So. I think there's some concern there. Uh, you know, we'll have to hear what the staff says as we go through the summer as it relates to his progress with his knee and everything else. But I, So I have Newell there because I think he's going to take more starts than Stoltenberg will by the end of the year. Whoa, that's a big one. Yeah. I would – I mean, if Stoltenberg's healthy, it's his job. Don't get me I wrong. I wonder, too, this – nothing against Newell, but I wonder if uh, – they move Carlos inside. They did it for the spring game. Carlos, then you have your Stilly and mm-hmm. your Freedom at the same time. You, know, you rotate you Newell, got Newell in and in there, slide guy out. And yep. you've uh, got Damian Daniels yep. to give you some reps. So they could survive Like if Mick is in bad shape. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, Just out, a scope, right? Yeah. Um, linebacker then, I mean, I think you've got – I mean, you've got Dedrick. He's going to be one of them. Dedrick Young's going to be one of them. He's at a yeah. Really I have Young Barry, um, Young Barry Gifford, and either Davis or Miller. But there's going to be so much rotation mm-hmm. within that linebacker unit because I think Honus is going to play. I think Alex Davis is going to play. I think Tyron Ferguson is going to play. If Avery Roberts has a good off season, he's going to force to play a little bit. Um, I mean, though it's going to be those are the main guys. I don't think there's anybody beyond that level. Jacob Weinmaster, um, that is really going to be pushing for – because I don't think – Guy Thomas didn't have a standout spring. Pernell Jefferson didn't have a very good spring game. I don't know how the rest of his spring went, but he wasn't ever really talked about. Quayshon Alexander came up every now and then. Breon Dixon probably won't get the waiver. I'm betting he doesn't at this point. Probably not. Um, so – I, to me, you kind of got four names at your outside linebacker and four or five at inside, and you, they'll settle on their best unit, but those guys are going to mix it up for a little bit until they figure that out. Yep, and then safety is going to be Aaron Williams. Reed. Reed. Uh, safety's got some depth, actually. It's going to get interesting with a couple of the young guys, and if they could. Remember JoJo Doman? Yeah. Well, I, I love JoJo Doman, but we haven't seen him play in a year. I know. It's too bad, too. It's frustrating. Um, if he comes back, it'll be interesting what, like, where he can get into the picture. So, JoJo Doman intrigues me because of the conversation I had with Javon DeWitt about moving a guy from safety to linebacker Yeah, because of his athleticism. And there's a little bit of similarity in body type between Doman and Luke Gifford. Would it surprise you if Nebraska brought him down? Nope. And focused on bringing in others. And they, they brought in, I mean, you have Cam Jones, you have C.J. Smith, you have Deontay Williams who can play safety. I mean, 
they've got guys that can that can go back there to that safety spot that Doman might be more intriguing to them as an outside linebacker than he would be right now as a safety. But if he can also play in pretty good coverage, the previous staff loved him as their dime back. So it's uh, because he's got the physical size that he's not going to hurt you if he's on the field and it's a run play. So he's really intriguing because he's part of this sort of positionless football thing that I think you're going to hear more and more about. People probably wonder, why does everybody in the media always talk about JoJo Doman? And it was because before the injury, when we were at the practices, he was kind of a ball hawk. Like he was, there was one practice in particular where he had like two picks, like in a span of a few minutes and and stuff like that. And some of that gets over-exaggerated, you know, it's just like, okay, guy had a good practice for a few minutes, but he seemed to be pretty consistent in doing that. And I was sure he was going to be like a full-time guy last year if he didn't have the injury. And this discussion would be much different right now, maybe. Um, yeah, the more I think about it, I, I could see a guy like Cam Jones playing early and, and playing a lot just based on mm-hmm. I mean, special got, teams and then rotation. They've got safety depth, but I, I just don't see how they're going to fill out other spots. I mean, you've, you've got Deontay Williams, who was playing safety in, in that game. The corner depth scares the living bejesus out of me um, just because... I think they're going to get a grad transfer. I don't have a name or anything, but I think they're going to find somebody to add yeah i think you got to do something or a late juco guy or something like that to add some depth there because it's real thin sparse is the word yeah that's a good one deontay williams is going to play too i just don't know where exactly what it's going to be and then you know i think corners i'd guess lamar and boodle and i eric lee's uh, you know in that conversation but that's where if you're a one of the young kids coming in, you see opportunity just because somebody's got to be Cam Taylor on the depth chart. Yeah, um, he's going to play a lot of special teams, and if he can, he'll play some corner. Yep. So, yeah, that's a pretty good defensive rundown. Hmm. There's a yeah, there that there's your defense. <laughs> there's there's that's your gonna defense. That's going to rank uh, 48th in total 48th. defense. Whoa! I'm just, I'm not going to go that Jeez. high. That's too high. They're going to be 213th. That is, there's not even that many teams. I know that's how bad they're going to be next year. <sighs> this is not what I said. But, anyways, what else do we want to get to? Anything else in the spring game in particular stand out that you want to talk about? Uh, level of concern about kicking zero. Apparently, apparently, at a good spring, Pickering did. That's what I mean. Dewitt had said it a couple different times, right? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't put a lot. Of, it was a weird day on Saturday, and the wind wasn't terrible. The conditions weren't terrible. It just I'm not going to get overly fired up about the kicking game in the spring. There's so many other things going on. That, he just missed one kick. Yeah. I mean, Cole Fromm missed a couple. I don't think it's as – He doinked I, one, I think. Yeah, he did, and then he missed the extra point off the bat. Yeah. Like my golf shot. So I, I don't have any concern about it. It will – more reps, it'll get rectified. Drew Brown missed his first two kicks of his sophomore season and went on and was fine. He didn't have a great freshman year. He didn't have a terrible freshman year. I mean, your kicker isn't going to be 100% reliable this year, but I don't think it's to the point where I'm overly concerned about Not it. every young kicker or punter that has come through here has been dynamite. We kind of forget that. Yeah. Like even the late great Sam Fultz had some inconsistencies till his junior year when he would just really became a stud. Yeah. Um, so 
But I just think Nebraska time. in general is relatively spoiled by how good its special teams have been for most of my lifetime, to be mm-hmm. entirely honest, outside of, what, the David Dykes years? <laughs> yeah. You had a Jordan Congdon reference yeah, in there, yeah. too? Yeah, they passed up, was it the Cotton Bowl, or they passed up like a 40-some-yard yeah. field goal? I couldn't believe it when that happened. I yeah. absolutely could not believe that. Well, they passed up in the Holiday Bowl against USC, the kind of entertaining one where Barney was the coach. They passed up a Drew Brown kick of what? How long was it? Like forty-eight or something. Yeah. And they went. I didn't blame him on that. They went to the personnel play. Yeah, it wasn't a. And he actually he should have got the first down if yep. he would have run. He it didn't correctly. cut up. Yeah, he didn't run that well. As 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 much as you want to bag on David Dykes, he did help Nebraska avoid that shutout against uh, Oklahoma. That Is that year. him? I wasn't yeah, bagging so. on him. I'm just saying, like, oh, I know. definitively I've, the worst kicker in my life. That was a great moment in Husker spread history, too. It was. I think the spread was 29 and a half or something, and it was 30 to nothing. And that's why I almost died that day because the fans were throwing the oranges on the field in disgust because they'd lost a shutout. And also because probably a lot of degenerates in the crowd. Lost money, huh? Yeah, just lost some money. So That was a really good Oklahoma team. Nebraska got that field goal because they ran a tr- fullback trap with Steve Crewald. 48-yarder. Yeah. No fullback traps were used on Saturday at the spring game, though. Disgust. Ben, ben Miles got some handoffs late. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah, 39-yarder from David Dykes as, as the <laughs> clock struck zero to uh, stave off the cover is he an assistant principal somewhere in the norfolk area too or i don't believe so <laughs> i don't remember what guy that was oh uh bill lafleur yeah okay well there we go all right well um recruiting wise from the spring game nebraska hosted quite a few visitors more than we had listed they had a number of guys from junior colleges that were intriguing or bounce back guys from different universities they had players in from Florida and Oklahoma and Texas and California and the region as well. Where should we start with recruiting, Brunts? Uh, give me your give me give me two themes takeaways from guys you talked to. What what stood what stood out to them? Well, there's no commitments that stands out. I thought that they would get one from uh, Mosai Newsom who had a really good visit. He hasn't talked about his visit much at all. I'm curious what maybe the holdup would be with that commitment, in part because if he doesn't do it and Nebraska gets Ty Robinson to commit or Isaac Townsend, I mean, I think Nebraska is in really good shape with their defensive end targets. I think any of those guys could end up as part of the, the group. You already have Ethan Piper, who wants to play defensive end as part of your your class as it is. So it's a little surprised that there wasn't a commit, but it, it wasn't a sign that things didn't go well this weekend. I mean, Gamon Euford, the, the linebacker from Florida, really liked it. He's planning on coming back for an official visit. John Bivens plans to be out here several times, both before and during the season. He's a running back from Ohio. Uh, you've got – who am I forgetting here? I'm forgetting everybody. There's other players. Someone talk. i got to look this up. A lot of JUCO guys at the yep. uh, the spring game, which was a little bit of a, uh, a difference in the past. Um, big group came up from Garden City. Um, smaller group, but a sizable group from Highland uh, Community College in Kansas. In the past, we really haven't seen a lot of JUCO guys, a few, uh, early in Mike Riley's tenure there. Um, 
but not a ton. The couple guys from Garden City that were kind of interesting to me, and I mean, you noticed him standing on the sidelines right away, um, was Kadeem Telfort, a uh, former Florida offensive tackle, now at Garden City, kind of gotten mixed up in the uh, credit card stuff that, that bit him last year down there. Uh, he's going to be a three-for-three three guy graduating in, in December. Nebraska offered him last night. And, you know, I, I think that's one position where you want to add some depth, guys that can help you right away and, and kind of develop that competition. And, I, you know, just seeing him on the sidelines, the fact that he was a former top 247 player, uh, high school teammate of Guy Thomas, there's a lot of connections there. And, you know, Nebraska jumping in early with an offer there I, I think is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think overall, I mean, you had some 2020 guys, you had some 2021 guys. Overall, I, I think that it went well. We're going to need to get a few more people in board here at the class. I know that they're not focused on building their commit list too early, but you also don't want to take four commits into July either. I mean, you got a two-month stretch here in May and June where you got to do some damage because you're going to have people on campus and it, the visits aren't going to stop. I mean, they had a really good spring in terms of bringing people in, and, you know, run through the list at some point. But there's a lot of talent that, that came in, was on campus, and they just need to start getting some yeses. And I think that they are working on that. I mean, all of the recruits that I talked to, none of them felt like they were particularly pressured to do anything or that they had to commit on Saturday or the staff was really trying to push them into any sort of decision. Uh, and that's, you know, that's good. I mean, you don't want people to make a decision they're then 24 hours later questioning. So uh, I think that as they get into this evaluation period, we've already seen them go out to different schools. They went to a couple in Omaha last week. They were in Wichita yesterday or in Mississippi at one point. They're going to be in Alabama, Colorado, Florida, Texas, the Northeast here. We're going to hear some more things. It, it is going to pick up, but it has – it's been a little bit more quiet than I would have expected at this point, Do at you, least in terms of commitments. What, uh, what's the feedback you get from guys when it's just st- style of play? Like, I mean, what do they, what do they think of the, the way that they operate on both sides of the ball? Well, the offensive guys, I mean, I haven't talked to any linemen who I can't imagine would absolutely love it, but I haven't talked to any um, – skill position players who haven't loved it. I mean, they love the idea of running more plays because it's more opportunities to get their hands on the ball. Uh, they like the tempo. They they like the pieces in the offense. I mean, the number of recruits that talked about, specifically Adrian Martinez, and you had several running backs talk about him. You had 2020 wide receivers talking about him. You had guys on defense talking about him. Adrian Martinez really stood out to them uh, as someone who – you know, looks like he's a good fit in this offense going forward. And that matters to those guys. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that matters of Adrian Martinez is to them, if he's getting the opportunity to play early at the most important position on the football field, they can get the opportunity to play early. And that's something every kid wants. Nobody really dreams of coming here and redshirting. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough thing to do when you've spent years of being the best player on your team. Then you go somewhere and you have to redshirt. So uh, I, I think that, the offensive players really like the offense. Defense was kind of a mixed bag because there was mostly vanilla on on Saturday, so you mm-hmm. didn't get you didn't really get the glowing quotes about how it looked the way that you did with the offense. But I mean, Euford, the linebacker from Florida, really likes Javon DeWitt. 
yeah. likes what they did at UCF, likes how aggressive they were at UCF. I mean, that's what he was referencing the whole time. It wasn't so much what he watched Saturday, but just the aggressive nature of how they played is what stood out to him. The thing they can still do when they go recruit Florida is all those guys, they can speak that language, you know, of like, what's the, I mean, Javon DeWitt knows that area inside and out. And so when he goes and talks to a kid, it's it's not like some guy who had to find his way to the high school. Right. And I think that means a whole lot to those kids. When well, And then they can just put up examples of guys that they all sort of know. I yeah. mean, they're either from the area or they're from the state. And then this weekend, Shaquem Griffin is going to get drafted at some point, And that's going to be a big deal. And Euford talked about it. Javon DeWitt was a big part in making the decision to move him from safety to linebacker and help develop him as a linebacker who he's a freak athlete. Like there's no question that Shaquem is in a different category than a lot of people, but they were able to get him in the right position and do the right things. And that, that is telling for guys when they're looking at the staff, am I, is my athleticism going to be used here Mm -hmm. in a way that I want? And for some people, it checks that box. Shaquem Griffin always makes you wonder how many kids have fallen through the cracks and had their talent just wasted because they're at a wrong position their entire career. That guy is so – it's just insane what he's able to do physically. And I'm not even talking about the fact that he doesn't have a hand. I'm talking about, like, his 40 time. Yeah. The reps that he can do with the the bench. I mean, just, like, all of it. Like, I don't think Nebraska has a guy out of position like that. They may not have anybody 70% like that, but it's just incredible to me what he did in a short amount of time. Well, do you want to talk about the song? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. You want to do your song first? Your, your, song. your spoken word? Your song? Spoken, spoken song. word? Yeah. We're going to go away from hip-hop. This is a song called Come Together by the Beatles. You might have heard it recently. Here come old flat top. He come grooving up slowly. He got juju eyeballs. He's one holy roller. He got hair down to his knees. Got to be a joker. He just do what he please. Shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. That's what they say in that part. I I never knew for sure, actually. He wear no shoe shine. He's got toe jam football. He got monkey finger. He shoot Coca-Cola. He say, I know you, you know me. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free. Is that, is that going to be Come the... Come together right now over me. There we go. Is that going to be the song? Is that the song? No. I no. don't think so. I, I didn't... Like, I'm surprised... It, I'll admit, I'm surprised like this thing's actually like a conversation. I thought it was just like a... <laughs> No, I mean, like, I thought that was just, like, a spring game thing, and I didn't think a thing of it, really. I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's just a practice, you know. And then the other day, Frost, I mean, he gave us a few clicks, so that's fine. But he he just kept that baby in the air, that beach ball. Like, I don't know what we're going to do with this song. He's like, we might change it every week. Might have one that's, like, a theme. I guess this would be come together would be an example of, like, a theme week. Yeah. Like Hawaiian shirt night, you know. (laughs) There could be like a <laughs> Taco Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know. You just equated Nebraska's roughly entrance music to Hawaiian shirt night. I thought you said you said something that I think is very important to note. 
where you said, I'm surprised that this is a conversation. I say that a lot about things around Nebraska football. I can't believe we're talking about this, but here we are. But it's got, it's Husker football it's got legs. and music. I mean, like people love to give you their musical taste. And this is basically a door opening to like this. I'll tell you the song they should use, man. You know, that that's what you get all the time. You guys have to admit, though, that when that song first played, you kind of did like a weird sort of cock and turn and look down to the corner or look at the screen because it was jarring. I mean, it was oh, jarring to know. me. <laughs> okay. I, you didn't think so? Not really. I was on the field and I didn't find it particularly <laughs> jarring. Man, I I, it, it, didn't jarring. Kick, it didn't kick in until about I think the seconds. song choice is what made it jarring. Like, not that it was so much a like, and it wasn't even a version of it that I had really come to know. It wasn't Joe Cocker or the Beatles. <laughs> it was with Gary Clark Jr. That's who it was. Yeah, I think. Yeah, whoever that is. Yeah, I, about twenty seconds into it, I looked up because I was focused on the actual tunnel itself, and I was like, "Oh wow, they're really doing this! Like th- this is this is <clears throat> it, huh?" I thought it was going to lead into serious. I guess that's what I thought, and it never came. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe again. never will again. Uh, no, what if they what if they switch it up, but then they bust out the big dog serious like for? I'm trying to think of the game like Michigan, Michigan State. State. Like it's a big game and people just lose their mind about it again. Like they haven't lost it about serious in a long time. But then if they win that game, then why would you ever go away from it, right? Or you only it's, it becomes a Notre Dame green jersey. It's kind of like the way they use uh, Let Me Clear My Throat, which they've been smart about. They didn't turn it into just a fourth quarter song. They use it in situations. Although last year was kind of funny. They used it like when they sealed the win over Arkansas State. (laughs) And I was kind of like, nah, I don't know if you get Let Me Clear My Throat for holding on against the Red Wolves. Uh, That was a good Red Wolves team. Don't take anything away from them. (laughs) I don't know. Do you have a song? I, like... I don't... You want it to stay. I I think it'd be better if it stayed because it's like a call and response thing. I mean, people know that as Nebraska football. They know that as the opening really kind of the game. And you get a Saturday night in Lincoln where Nebraska-Miami is a great example. You have a good atmosphere. That comes on. I think that still means something to people. If you were to change that to something else, it, it would seem... And I'm not – like, if they pick one thing, I think they just stick with it. I don't yeah. know if I love the, the Hawaiian shirt idea <laughs> of every week is a new song because that really opens it up to some weird – and I just don't think it – like, not every song works. Like, Come Together doesn't really work as a very good opening to anything. Not – Your idea of Phil Collins and the drum breakdown is, like, my favorite thing ever. I would love to do that if I was a reliever – Running out of the bullpen. That would be great. The only the only thing that I... But that works. Come Together does not. Is if they treat it like, let, let me clear my throat, as if, like, before the final or after the final, like, practice of the fall, if they do like they did with DJ Cool and have the Alan Parsons Project actually come and play it live in Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Do you think maybe... Old prog rock. Do you think maybe uh, this is just, like, they're kind of dipping their toes to see, like, what the reaction is? Maybe. You think it was a float? Yeah, it's like, let's see how mad they I think it get. sunk. How much can Scott Frost really, like, what can he get away with? See, but I, I, <laughs> I said this the other day. I think you got to be really careful if you're Bill Moose and Scott Frost because 
you can walk into a minefield that you don't know is a minefield where mm. all of a sudden the brass is not playing on Black Friday. Sean Eichhorst doesn't think it's a very big deal. And blam. To be fair, yeah. you didn't think it was a very big deal either. I didn't. And Largely, I feel like Brunch just doesn't care. That's my takeaway from this podcast. I'm, I'm pretty agnostic Things that about you everything. hold near and dear about your nostalgia for Nebraska football, he wants to trample all over. Why don't yep. you go cover Colorado football, buddy? <laughs> hey, they don't have that those questions there. They just run that damn buffalo out of the tunnel every time. <laughs> Ralphie doesn't need music! I suggested the Carpenters on Twitter last night, and a few people thought I was serious and gave me like some... Were you summarily booed? Yeah. You like, should have responded with, actually, I meant the drifters. <laughs> no, I think we've only just begun by the carpenters. We've only just begun. No. You have a vinyl, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a carpenter CD, or uh, album from my Were you folks. listening to it at the Who time? Do you have both a CD and an album? No, I don't have a CD. I'm not a big carpenters guy. I don't want to act like... <laughs> Let's not act, get people are certain. I'm a John Q. Carpenter fan over here. <laughs> people are certain to act like I'm a big uh, Imagine Dragons guy now, yeah. and I'm not really. I just think they're all, they're solid. Well, you you're know? a big Bread fan, right? <laughs> I think they're no. My I got that album given to me. <laughs> I'm not a big Bread fan. The, the probably the perfect song for this is some song I've never heard of. That's the answer. <laughs> You know, like, there's some, like, beat that's probably awesome that, like, I just don't know what it is, you know? What if, what if they just did, like, a remix of Sirius? Like, kind of updated it a little bit? Like they did with Mikey Bo? No. I'm on Team Change It. I mean, I'm... I've kind of been on that, and I've always been hesitant to say it out loud, but now Scott Frost has given me the power <laughs> to do you it. You'll cover. He's yeah. doing some downfield blocking on that opinion. I just, I just think it's gotten a little stale somewhat. I yeah, don't I mean, I definitely think it's stale, but I think that's partly because Nebraska football is stale. Well, that's true. Ooh, now who's trampling all over it? Still things. you. Yeah, still me. Well, I mean, you got to... I don't be- think there's anybody who heard that line and thinks... Oh, that Mike Schaefer, he's a jerk. What a jerk. Well, they probably just, Nebraska football is fresh. They've probably disregarded most of your opinions since your your defense hot take a couple weeks ago. It's not a hot take. <laughs> it's a little warm. Well, you know, if you go back to what they did at Central Florida, I mean, they like Frost and those guys, they did some innovative what stuff. What did they run out to there? I don't you know? know. I don't know what the music, but I, I was thinking of like the... What does Frost even like? That's What's his question? Music? I don't know. We know we, we got to the bottom of Mike Riley's. Like he, he answered that question. Like doesn't he like tender. cross Canadian ragweed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he likes red dirt music. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to which think I kind of like too. So That's I no problem yeah. with that. Yeah. I, I thought it was really funny <laughs> when I first heard that. Like he liked the Turnpike Troubadours, and you'd have him yeah. running out to a live version of Boys from Oklahoma, something like that. Maybe they should change it to Come a Running Boys by the Killigans. Remember that? Yeah, that was a thing long. for a while. Yeah. I was pushing hard for that to be a thing in like the third or fourth quarter. God's gonna cut you down, or by Johnny Cash. I always get that thrown my way. Really? Yeah. Any particular reason? I think, I think uh, your cohort Jack Mitchell got that one Uh-oh. going, and some people kind of got into. It. I kind of like it. I they people tried. got into it with Jack Mitchell. I couldn't imagine it. I didn't. No, I think people liked it. Um, 
some people supported it and I did too kind of the idea of it but it's it they tried it one time before the fourth quarter of a game actually and it didn't quite Take. it just it's tough you know you don't know what's going to work in the stadium I didn't feel like it worked quite like it was hoped so they, they could just go back to doing like go full retro and bring back the Husker Vision videos from like 1999 with like the the sower raising the roof at the end of the <laughs> the video or the one where like Jay Foreman I think was one of them that had like the sledgehammer and swung it at the cartoon wall remember when they jumped out of the I remember the plane so, yeah. <laughs> so vividly was Barrett Rude wasn't on that team, was he? Bo Rude was. Bo Rude so. was on that team. I have to ask Barrett about Bo's feelings about the helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the questions we need to ask for our next availability. What music do you like to Scott Frost? And Barrett, how did your brother enjoy the airplane tunnel walk video of 2005? Yeah. I was actually thinking about this, that it's a, gr- it's a good thing that there is no media availability for a while because Greg Austin, Barrett Rude, Scott Frost, all these guys would have to be answering like held ton, held tunnel walk questions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Troy Walters would be asked what his tunnel walk experience was like at Stanford. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we do get into some stuff in this state that's interesting. I'm just concerned about everybody tiring themselves out in the off season. I mean, oh, we're, we're we're only a week into the off season and we've already hit. You know what I'm never worried about? The conditioning of the Nebraska fans for stuff to talk about. To to ring hands? They have had the best strength and conditioning trainers on the planet for the last 20 years. So I think they're in good hands. (laughs) We haven't even hit alternate uniform talk yet. I know. They're saving it. What if if Frost just came out and said he hates them? Would people at Oregon be mad at him? The uniforms? No, alternate uniforms. Oh, that would be quite the heel turn from what he did at UCF. Yeah. And they had like Well, apparently one coach made a giant heel turn to his previous staff here yesterday by posting a picture of the Peach Bowl ring. So I don't know what happened with Troy. Do you know anything about this, Brian? Well, he didn't he tweet Peach Bowl champions, AAC champions, but yeah. he didn't say national champions. And Is that what it like was? really upset about it. Yeah. I don't really get it. Well, like UCF fans? Yeah. Yeah, they were mad. They were, they were mad. going after him. Yeah. He had to apologize. Well, he didn't have to. He chose to. Yeah, he was He was just stating facts. He was. They did not win the national championship, no matter what any sign says. Are they going to put They're going to put it up on the stadium? It's there? already up there. It's already up there? Yeah. I, I mean, I love that they're going all in on yeah. it. Yeah. Because it reminds me of Texas A&M claiming a title in, like, 1937 when they didn't win in either poll and they weren't ranked in one of them. <laughs> yeah. But they claimed to be... A national title team. There are some funny national champions from yesteryear, like when the polls would end after the regular season. So there's people like claim like a 1965 <laughs> championship that like lost their bowl game 28 to seven. Is Auburn's one of them that has like a, a a lot of? Is it Auburn or there's like an SEC team that has like two or three of those? That I are, thought A and M was a A&M, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They take like anyone. Like if the Sporting News in 1974 yeah. called them the Champ, they're like, well, that we got that one. It's like if BTN named a national champion. <laughs> we pick Ohio State after they lost to Clemson by thirty-one. That's one thing I'm glad that's clean here. You don't have to go back and like, there's no, 
debate about Debatable. like the 94 97 team finishing number two and people say oh that was a championship team you don't have to have that discussion this is true we can always just argue all day long about 97 nebraska michigan and who would have won <laughs> and relitigate coach firings <laughs> every we might have to single day <laughs> that's why this fan base is so damn well conditioned brunts just been doing there was a guy rhetorical, rhetorical push-ups for the last 20 years. A guy yesterday was talking to me about he thinks that the whole dynamic of the program changed today that Frank was fired in November of 2003. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. Well. We got to move on. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've kind of exhausted everything. Is there anything else we need to get to? Uh, we never talked about the rock. I mean, speaking about other uh, <laughs> tried and true traditions okay. that are being trampled right, yeah. on, but we can right, save that for next let's week. Let's talk about that. No, we're already talking about coaches of the past. All right. What should what should be done with it, Browns? Well, I really think that. Well, it for back, be... do we need background? Did we talk about the rock? Yeah, I give background because I had a lot of people who's like, I didn't know there was so, the rock. So going back to 2006, that season, Bill Callahan was big on pounding the rock. Wanted to pound the rock. He wanted to prove they could run the ball. Yeah, they were men, and mm-hmm. men pounded the rock. So he took a giant boulder, printed out or like had a nameplate that said "Pound the Rock." Kind of a nice plaque. Yeah, <laughs> um, and put it in North Stadium, kind of out by where the Tunnel Walk is, uh, where, where it starts by the Nebraska locker room. That rock sat there through two coaching staffs, or through the end of the Callahan staff, all of the Polini staff. And Mike Riley's staff as well. Um, all of a sudden, that rock, which was supposedly too big to move, uh, showed up outside of the Nebraska practice facility in in like a landscaping area with a bunch of other small rocks. Like the scale of it was just kind of funny. It was like it was, <laughs> a bunch of other small. Rocks. Yeah, it was like returned to its home. Um, <laughs> Like in my mind, what I was imagining was like whenever they, like they nurse like an animal back to health and release it into the wild, kind of go the back, same thing. Go back by your fellow rocks. Go back with your friends. And <laughs> but and then so that was noted on Twitter by myself on Tuesday. Yes, I think uh, you broke this story. Yeah, broke it wide open. Uh, and on Thursday, Chris Bassnett of uh, the Lincoln Journal Star noted that the plaque had been ripped off of the the rock and kind of like spackled over where the hole was and the rock was just sitting there Did it looked like a really bad like farmer's tan yeah. yes it's pretty great. it was like the larry david smiley face um so i think they should pulverize it into a thousand little pieces and uh you know maybe spread it around campus like ashes i no i i want them to pulverize it too but i think that every season ticket holder should get a little piece of rock as a remembrance of no, their Willing to go through that time period. We, we pounded this rock down and we put it in pill form. Here's your pill, your rock pill. Someone pill. should offer to buy the rock and then smash it and then sell it as pieces of the Husker rock, and they would make more money off of it than what they bought it for. I feel like if you had a forklift, you could probably just go out there and take it, and they wouldn't mind. Oh, thanks for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd like Bill Moose would come out and be U- just having UPD is just standing there and like, oh. He'd just have a conversation with you while your guys were like lifting it up. Yeah, Bill Bill kind of gives you a little hand to get yeah. in the truck. He's like, oh, there we go. Yeah, he'll probably pretty tell you nice about how we- Pretty nice weather we got today. Closes up the truck bed and 
gives it a couple taps and away you go. He'll probably talk about how concerned Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh are for the upcoming season when you're standing there talking with them. So. <laughs> I mean, it's a real thing. He he did say that. He said it to a bunch of fans, I think, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's, was, here's some red meat. Chew on it, please. That was Wednesday's non-troversy. So. Yeah. I, I think, I think the rock – that's good. I've, I think I've used <laughs> it We before. could have a non-troversy of the week. In the no, I, trust me. I've thought about sending that to you before. I think the rock – I wish it were a little bigger – but I think I've said this on Twitter. I think it should be allowed to like be something that you can kind of vandalize, like in a good way. Like, oh, you, like Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee's got a wall, right? It's it's like a giant. It's great wall phrasing thing. there that you should be able to vandalize, <laughs> like in a good way. But it's but it's bigger, isn't it, than this rock? Oh yeah, that, that's like, like huge. That, th- this is the problem. Like the rock, I don't know if it's big enough to get a good message across on it. Do you do you think that there would be enough things around campus that you could have kind of like a, I mean, it's like a tour of oddities and stories. Like somewhere on campus right now, there's like a statue of like Bill Glassford or something like yeah. that that's like hidden away in a closet that nobody sees. There probably is. That could be another oddity. I would, and that's why I said it should be called Callahan's Rock, and I immediately got some blowback like, oh, yeah, you can't call it that. And I think this could be a way Nebraskans get pa- – it's a way of trying to get past the idea of, like, always blaming everything on other people. But at some point, Bill Callahan is just, like, the guy in your media guide who coached in 1948. It should be already. Who didn't point. get it done, you yeah. know. And yeah. so you're – and it's just like, oh, Callahan's rock, you know. It's not like – it's got to be a curse word. It's just a guy who failed and brought in a rock Well, he was the coach. If they, if they like <laughs> – if they go like nine and three this year and then get into the college football playoff next year, though, would that be like the? Would that have ended the curse? <laughs> well, I can't think right now. The curse of Callahan's yeah, Rock. Yeah, the curse of Callahan's Do you think Rock. Callahan's Rock was like, yeah, it was brought in here to. We didn't land on Callahan's Rock. Callahan's <laughs> I, Rock landed this on is us. My favorite summation of Bill Callahan. <laughs> yeah, he's a coach that failed, and he brought in a big rock. <laughs> That's what it kind of boils and, down and to. Sue. And he threw the ball too much that one time at Iowa State. Yeah. Some game that lost like 39-30 or something. All right. Get us out of here. <laughs> you, you don't want to stick around for more rock talk? I'm, I'm all rock talking about out. big rocks joining this little rock family. I look forward to next year's non or next week's controversy though. So I'll, I'll work on trying to come up with a controversy of the week for us to discuss. It'll, it'll come to you. It'll come to your doorstep. <laughs> we get enough of them. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you want to follow all of the off-season storylines and plenty of recruiting, and we will wrap up our spring coverage as well, you can check all of that out at nebraska.247sports.com. And we will catch you next week with the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.